Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Betfair's Racing Only Better podcast. We are covering Saturday the 23rd, very close to Christmas, last day before Christmas racing kicks off on Boxing Day. But this is a standard Racing Only Better. We are, of course, covering the ITV televised races on Saturday. So we've got four from Ascot and we've got a couple from Haydock as well. I'm joined, as always, by the boys, Daryl Carter, Tony Calvin and Dan Barber. Uh, competitive racing, and we hope that we'll be able to fill your Christmas pockets full of a bit of cash. That would be ideal. I, How's your Christmas shopping gone, Daryl? I did that panic thing the other day, e.g. went shopping, hadn't bought anything, took 72 minutes start to finish, but dropped. <laughs> when I say a lot of cash, I mean, I don't mean, I don't, I'm one of those people who don't like talking about money in general, but I refuse to look at my online banking. So my parents and my family are going to be delighted, but my bank account less so. But it was a panic station situation. <laughs> yeah, I can relate. Uh, I was done quite early. Like it was done quite early this year, though. To be honest, last couple of weeks, the last few bits, the missus just picks up and uh, she deal she deals with that. So she leaves me be. But uh, I'm surprised you're not wearing your Christmas hat. You're full of joy today, aren't you? I no Christmas hat for me, unfortunately. Oh, well done, Dan. Little Christmas just in case we were going down that avenue. It turns out we're not, so we can just. <laughs> no, I mean we've got TC on the show, so we never were going to be going down that avenue. Well, it's like, his Christmas like... Carol, isn't it? There's there's Scrooge, top left. Yeah. Do you like uh, a Christmas pudding yourself, Dan? Uh, no, I think they're disgusting. I much prefer a Yule log. Got a lot to got a lot to live up to this year of Christmas presents because I. Stuck a tenner on Karak Rambler for the Grand National in my brother's, both brother's cards last year. So oh. they actually made money out of Christmas. Oh, that's an excellent present. Why didn't I think of that? Nah, it's only excellent present if it wins. Though. It wins, yeah. I've done it previously when they haven't won, and they're like, well, I've basically just got a piece of paper here. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, TC? Have you, are you full of the joys? We call you the Grinch, but actually yeah. I bet you get stuck into Christmas. It's nice when you've got young ones around. That's what helps with the Christmas cheer, doesn't it? Yeah, the grand uh, with the grandson for the first time on Christmas Day, so that would be good. Uh, don't really do presents, I just... Uh, I just give people money and they can just sort themselves out. Oh, looking forward to that. Thanks, mate. Uh, <laughs> yeah, can't wait. It was also revealed before the podcast started that Betfair have given out some Christmas gifts, but it turns out Daryl Carter's the only one to get anything. <laughs> so that's gone well for the rest of us. Hashtag respect. Um, TC, let's have a weather watch from you, please, ahead of Saturday. Obviously, focus in on Ascot with that being the main event. Howden Christmas Festival, TC. I'm sure you'd be delighted. Um, but what's the weather doing? And more crucially, what's the ground going to be as a result? Uh, good to soft uh, currently at Ascot. No significant rain due, so it will be good to soft. Although the stick reasons suggest it might ride deeper. Uh, Haydock is a mixture of heavy and soft. Um, we're recording this about 2.30 on Thursday and they're due another about 16 mil up until race time on Saturday. So you can strike out the goss soft in places. It's going to be heavy and I suggest it's probably going to be very heavy. Lordy. Right. Okay. Well, that's going to change things a little bit. So let's kick off with the 150 then at Ascot, the first of the ITV scheduled races. 
Um, it is the two-mile, three-furlong handicap chase, Howden handicap chase, everyone. And currently, Triple Trade is up at the top of the market around three to one mark. Cap Dumatan in there at seven to two. Black Jerry at nine to two. Shambler in there at five to one. Dan, I will start with you here. If the ground is going to be properly heavy, who is going to be best equipped for that? I won't lie, with just my attention was taken watching the closing stage with old Maxi pushing one out at Exeter. Um, it's <laughs> <laughs> unashamed, wow. but it was good fun. Oh, so yeah, let's let's crack on, Vanessa, podcast and all that. Um, triple trade, the angle is obvious, isn't it, that... I think he's been doing well around Cheltenham despite the trip. And then he went to Ascot last time. This boot hill form keeps coming up, doesn't it, in various guises. It was so Scottish who pocket talking, but I thought he was absolutely tanking when he came down uh, last weekend and he was ahead of the winner. Um, it, it was triple trade this time. He finished third to boot hill at Ascot. Sharper test. Probably not ideally in his favour when you consider how he'd won at Cheltenham the time before, seeing off Calico, and certainly how he'd shaped on his reappearance. So he definitely looks worth trying over this sort of distance. But a horse who's roughly about three times his price at the minute, who purely price, of course, I will go with, is I'm going to have a bit of a guess upon Eden De Who. Those form figures tell you all you need to know. These aren't form figures we like to quote. 1P, 2P. Um, sounds like my bank balance, actually. <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> but you've got two pieces of form from last season that make him look interesting off his current mark still. And you've also got a record of three of his career wins have been off breaks over at least uh, of, of at least 10 weeks. And he's back for the first time this season. And one of those wins was first time in a, in a bumper. He won first time out over fences a couple of years ago. He's nine. They've had. He's, they've given him a wind up, so he qualified for veterans races, and he's the only one who's not been out. But the win at Foss last, when he gave Blackjack Magic a, a real thrashing, Moonlighter back in third, he won next time. I thought was form that was a match for any of these, and then later on he finished second at Sandown as well of a similar mark. So um, three times the price of the very solid, solid triple trade. I'll probably end up backing both, maybe even Dutch them, but Eden De Who I thought was the most overpriced. Okay, TC, in terms of, you know, he's made the case for why Triple Trade is up at the top of the market, but can you find a different angle to take him on? Yeah, just for, we hadn't got the sportsbook prices up for this race. Um, we've got them all for the, all the others. Um, so, obviously, we don't know what angle they're going to take. But if they go along with the marketplace, they're going to agree with the fact that Triple Trade and Captain Mafan are the most likely winners. Purely because they're the most solid and they've got the most, you know, the best recent form. You got four of these are pulled up last time out. The other one, Harper's Brook, ran no kind of race in the Paddy Power. So, yeah, I mean, I probably there's there's a bit of seven to two knocking around for Captain Maffa, and that's fair enough. Um, up in triple suit, dropped a couple of pounds for a perfectly respectable fourth to Boot Hill last time. But no, it's a it's a it's a tricky race. I mean. The the, the pay, Dan could get his pace angle if Eden who wants to go forward because there's no confirmed front runner in here. But I think Cobden might be inclined to go forward on Captain Mafan, so um, won't be having a bet. Uh, but Captain Mafan, if it's if he's seven to two or thereabouts, I think he's probably the pick of the pick of the prices. What about you, Daryl? Are you having a bet? I suppose is the main question in this race. 
I actually won't be having a bet in this race, but you can see the angle the traders have taken. They've just gone with the most reliable, as Tony said. And uh, I completely agree with everything that Tony said. I think Captain Matan will probably pop out, try and make all, and uh, put the rest under pressure. And um, like like Tony said, the four four outsiders of the field, I think that between 16 and 15 runs between them, I think they pulled up eight times between them So in the last three wow. runs. So it's it's a, a race I didn't really want to get too involved in. I didn't think Captain Matan was miles ahead of his handicap mark. I just thought he was one of the more reliable, as the market suggests. So, yeah, sevens two, as Tony said, is fair. Completely agree, but I won't be getting involved in this. The reason why okay. we haven't got the reason why we haven't got prices at the moment is so I want to give credit to ATV and probably your guy Howden because uh, there was a graduation race meant to be on, but it, it was only three runners. So they switched it around very quickly this morning. I know there's only seven runners and one shy of each way terms, but punters and viewers would rather a seven-runner handicap than a three-runner graduation chase with a four to six folks. So well done to ITV and well done for Howden because it helps that he was sponsoring both of the races anyway. So there was no sponsors conflict there, but well done to Howden, well done to ITV. Okay. Daryl, I'm going to start with you for the long walk hurdle please, which is the next race we'll be covering. The 225, obviously, over three miles and a half of furlong for the staying chasers, the grade one, the feature race comes up nice and early in the ITV coverage. And, you know, in terms of looking at horses who tick every box for a grade one, lots of these tick some of the boxes, but not all the boxes. You've obviously got Champ in there, five to one won the race last year. Paisley Park being here, got the T-shirt for six to one, Dashiell Drasher, Old rivals with Paisley Park and Champ. Botox has us in there at 10s. But up at the top of the market is West Balboa, the mayor for the Skelton Yard at 5-2, to two, and Crambo from the Fergal O'Brien Yard. So sort of slightly younger legs and newer faces to the staying division compared to the previously mentioned horses. So bit of a different different race to the one we saw last year anyway. But is it going to go the way of the old boys again? It could well do. Look, I, th I think this market is is topsy turvy. I mean, look, they've obviously priced on potential rather than the substance of what what each of these have achieved. Uh, West Balboa winning the two and a half mile conditions race at Anktree in a three runner race last time, where four hurdles were omitted, uh, and now steps back up to three miles. A previous effort was a, a win in a handicap of 135. Crambo was actually beaten in a handicap last time, wasn't he, off 139. Now, I know he finished very well, finished very strongly there, and uh, I actually fancied him that day. I thought he was well ahead of his handicap, Mark. But that was the day for him. That was his big day, and this is a bit of an afterthought coming into a grade one. I, I couldn't... I looked at this from two perspectives, right? I looked at this from the punter that's going there just on the day out or just a, a Saturday better. Who would mm -hmm. I back? And that would probably be Crambo. But at the prices and betting every single day and long term, backing horses at three to one who are rated 142 in grade ones who were beaten in the handicap next time, last time out, is not going to make you any money over a long period of time. Like it's it's very difficult to, I suppose it's quite difficult to warm to the older horses, but they do still set the standard. Running into the 150s will probably win you this. Um, mm. I can't. I, I I couldn't have the likes of Blue King Daru, who is improving, but I just don't think he's I don't think he's going to stay. He's by a speedy sire. Uh, you'll you'll struggle to find many of his progeny going beyond two and a half miles. I actually this is mad. I actually thought that the two most interesting horses were the two outsiders of the field for me. I thought Gowell Road, who is bred to get three miles, uh, has improved his RPR second time out. Ran really well. I know you finished behind 
uh, Crambo in that handicap last time. But this is a horse with a bit of class. He's bred to get the trip, bred to improve for it. I thought he was interesting. He's a two-mile-five winner at Cheltenham. I don't think he's got as much to find as the market suggested that Betfair have gone 40 to one about him. And Goshen, who, who <laughs> I know I'm going to get pelters, <laughs> absolute pelters for this, right? But like, I think Tony was right last week when uh, when he mentioned about the headgear. Um, it just lit him up. He got into a fight over two and a half miles in that fight in fifth for much of the race and just blew out. Now, obviously, you're taking a massive chance back in someone like something like Goshen. And I, I am going to leave him alone eventually, but he's 66 to one. He went off in this race last year. It was run at Kempton last year at 10 to three. He finished second. He's by authorised. He's bred to be a stayer. Um, I think he's well worth another try at this trip. He's a multiple grade two winner. I, I just can't understand why he's a 66 to one and how a favourite for this race is a mare who beat trees last time over two and a half miles before the hurdles omitted. I know it's built on potential, but I think this market's got so much movement to do. And I would... I would as I'll be happily back Goshen and Gale Road at the prices they are, rather than back Crambo and West Balboa at the prices they are, put it that way. So, look, it's a okay. mess. The tip is Goshen, uh, reluctantly, um, but it, that is the tip. He's, he's the wrong price for me. You know it's a mad sort of race when the tip is a horse that he can't even say his name without actually smirking to himself at the fact he's tipping Goshen up in a long work hurdle. Um, but that is the sort of race that it is, uh, Dan, because as Daryl has summarised pretty well, it's like at the prices with the horses up at the top of the market, you, ha you are taking a leap of faith with the likes of Cranbo and West Balbo. Yeah, it's, it's a really good point Daryl makes about what was it, two lengths between them. Yeah, Crambo probably would have won by beating Gauro by double that come the line the way he was finishing had he started his run a bit sooner. But one's threes and one's forte. I could not back Crambo at threes. Um, wind the clock forward three months in this company and threes might be a smashing price because he might have continued to make the improvement he's making, but he hasn't made it all yet. Um, I'm going with the very tried and trusted isn't a pod goes by where he runs where I don't give him a warm mention, but Paisley Park took the right step forward to win this race last year after going close first time out at Newbury in the long distance and another five yards. He'd have got past Dash or Drasher. He was absolutely thundering home as normal. He won it last year at Kempton. I'd much rather it would have been run at Ascot. And I think he'd have won it more decisively because it's a stiffer test of stamina and he still managed to get out of trouble to win it last year. I still think a good portion of his ability remains, and a bigger field is no bad thing either, because it should just guarantee, particularly Dash or Drasher, likely, I don't think they'll ride Blue King Daru necessarily any different. That's not their style, is it? They'll go out and be probably positive on him. Champ will be the same. That served him well in recent times. If they go a true pace and Paisley Park's on song, I definitely don't think three will beat him. Okay. Paisley Park is currently 6-1 to one, TC. Final sale on Long Walk Hurdle to you. We've had a big price shout. We've had one of the old boys. Who are you going to throw into the mix? Yeah, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't put anybody off a big price in this. It's a grade one in, in name only, isn't it? You've only got four horses in here rating in the 150s. So, but that said, I mean, it's a very winnable grade one, but Crambo's just the, just the classic case of a horse I wanted to be with, but I wouldn't go anywhere near him at threes. I'd want at least 92. 
Um, you know, that said, you know, that Haydock race has always been a good springboard. I mean, Sam Spinner won that, handic- that handicap off 139 and, and came and won this race on his next start. And, you know, the bridge between decent staying handicappers and the top staying hurdlers is, is minimal. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if Crambo stepped up. Um, clearly should have won last time. I, we, uh, we said I'm weighed in uh, a couple of days later. I had more... I had a bigger problem with that with the ride he got than the one that uh, Gavin Shear got Gavin for Shear, days, yeah. uh, and he got rescinded. So, and obviously the owners think similarly as well because Connor Connor Brace has been has been jocked off. Um, it was a bad mm-hmm. ride. I don't think it's in injudicious, and I don't think there's anything into it. It, it was just just an inexplicably bad ride. Um, so yeah, um, Crambo. But I want at least a point and a half bigger than the current sports book price of three to one. But I think Daryl makes a very, very fair case for Goshen at 66s because, you know, the each way angle in the race for the place terms, well, that'd be, you know, obviously very good. Mm. All right. I'm really looking forward to it myself, but I wouldn't be brave enough to have a bet in the race, essentially. I thought you were going to say um, a bet on Goshen. <laughs> well, I would definitely oh, be brave enough to do that. I mean, like I said, I go back to my original point, Daryl. If you can't say the name without smirking to yourself. <laughs> no, I, think you, I think you need less bravery to back a 66 chance than you do to back someone at 6 to 4. Exactly. Well, that's true. Yeah. Um, right, let's move on. Howden Silver Cup handicap chase, uh, the big handicap chase on the card. Nearly 60k up to grabs for the winner. And Blackjack Magic is your seven. Your wages be getting cut. That's sort of prize money. <laughs> hey, yeah, no Christmas bonus for me. Um, <laughs> Blackjack Magic, seven to two up at the top of the market for this race for the Anthony Honeyball team coming here looking for essentially a three-timer, but obviously two this season, having won impressively from three under through five at Wincanton. Um, Victorino in next at five to two. I find this horse a fascinating uh, five. I mean, he's only a five-year-old and he's, sorry, he's five to one. And Venetia Williams is charged just in his second season over here in England and won well. Dan, I think it's fair to say, last time. I know there were two fallers at the last that day and you don't know what would have happened after the back of the laugh as they've stood up. But this horse put in a pretty solid show and he's back to do it again at Ascot. And at 5-1, to one, I thought he was a relatively fair price. Would, would you be a with or against me there? I'd be with, uh, very much with. And Miss V, just when you think she can't add any more strings to a bow, she's, <laughs> she's come up with this new tactic this year that is really paying off of having... Horses in their first year from France run over hurdles, maybe not pull up any trees. Oxygen was one. Georges Sant, who won at Phaeton when I was there the other day, is another. Victorino's uh, yet another example of that season to acclimatise over hurdles. Or in, in his case, he had a spin over hurdles and then really flourishing when they go back over fences. And always a 20s chance at Ascot. And there have been many a big prize Venetia winner over those big Ascot fences. Um, what was that thing, Frankie something that won by absolutely miles one day? Anyway, um, I just was, despite that SP, I thought he was an extremely accomplished winner. And I think a lot of the post-race stuff was getting lost in the fact that the Cromwell horse fell, yeah, man who reopposes when closing. But he was only closing, really, because Victorino was really steadied into the last and then hit it. I thought the fact he was able to recover and then go right away again against a horse in two for gold who stays very well, spoke of an extremely well-handicapped horse still, and he's got only £4 for that. 
It's essentially three horses that are the same, aren't they? Both up in the weights for winning, and horses that you'd be you'd be interested in in most handicaps. Blackjack Magic, Victorino, and Jeep Maker were the first three on my shortlist, for instance. But Victorino, I, I was I was stronger on than the others. The, the stable, just getting these horses rolling and getting them to improve. I guess he's been laid out for this since he won at Ascot. Not seen him since the first week in November, and I was really impressed with how strong he was at the finish under the circumstances. And I think we've got away with a, a light rise of four pounds. And I think we're getting a better price than we would because there was a load of carnage in behind that had nothing to do with him because he already had the way, the race won. Yeah, I think that's the thing, isn't it, Daryl? I, I think people think, oh, it wasn't quite over yet. And I, I, you know, it wasn't, obviously. But I'm with, I'm with Dan, as you can tell. I think the race was his already at that stage when those two horses fell. And at five to one? No one's complaining with that price, are you? Oh, absolutely not. I think he's. I think he's got a great chance. I think he's got a really, really good chance. I, the way he, he, he sort of almost just cantered through that race at Ascot. Um, he made a couple of niggly errors, but I, I just found it very, very interesting that Charlie Deutsch had a long look behind him between the second last and the last, and then slowed him right into the fence. Now, unfortunately, he made a little error, but he, like Dan said, he was able to pick up and go away again at the line. I think, as as Dan said, it's Masters' superiority in that race because I think if Charlie Deutsch has thrown him at that last fence, I think he's winning going away. I don't, I don't subscribe to the fact that Yeah Man would have picked him up or any of the other horses would have picked him up. Yeah Man was hard ridden as he was as Victorino was very much cantering around um, to to go to gallop with him. Now the interesting thing about this horse as well is that I actually think that they had this this mind or this double at Ascot on their minds whilst Charlie was riding in that race, because just the way he eased down and he had a look behind him, I thought it was a ride where let's not win by too far here. Um, she actually did it with Hublon de Zoblo in 2013, won the, the same Ascot race last in, in November, then came <clears> here <throat> and won this as well. Um, she only is... Nice I, one Frankie was on, I was thinking of. Do you remember? Is that what it was? It won about 25. It was in one of these. He yeah. just won by about 20 lengths around Ascot. Yeah, she's only had one other runner in that Ascot November race since that time, since, you know, Hublon de Zobo won. So it's just fascinating. I think that they know they've got a very well handicapped horse on their hands. Four pounds rise is extremely generous, in my opinion. And I I think he's I think he's gonna take a lot of beating in here. And as Dan said, I think Jitmaker is is the one maybe to follow him home, the unexposed horse who's probably on the upgrade as well. So, yeah, I'd be very, very strong on Victorino this weekend. You just don't get handicap winners of good races to go up only £4 winning at big no. tracks, do you? It's so, it's so rare, that. Especially the way he's gone through that race. Yeah. Like, like, I know it's a phrase that's very much overused, but it, like he, he did go through it almost like a graded horse in a handicap. Yeah. And, and if there is a graded horse in here, with a, he's only a five-year-old, then yeah, a for me, it's got to be him. And uh, TC, I'm keen to know if you're going to make it three votes for him in this race. But as a side note, he's owned, um, he runs in the Secretariat colours. Have you noticed that? Oh, wow. Those blue and white colours, they were purchased by the owner in a charity auction, I think. She's American-based, Linda Mars of Mars Confectionery fame. And she runs her horses in those... Secretariat Silks, which is they also own Silver Sword, that good horse on the flat for Dylan Cooner for what it's worth. Sweet, sweet on the chances then of um nice. the, the Mars Well horse, yeah. done. Well done. What about you, TC? You in agreement? Victorino all the way. Uh no, obviously I'm, Oh, come on. I'm not gonna say you can't win. Uh, 
But I think, yeah, man, would have probably have picked him up last time. Um, oh, Tony, no. no. Controversial uh, team. Let me finish. Uh, <laughs> the in-running market. The in-running market for he would as well, because yeah, man traded at one seven two going to the last. That had, that had very little information on Victorino, though, didn't it? Like, didn't it? Like, in terms of how much he would find off the bridle, it probably didn't know. No, it's like you say, it's we don't know. But all I'm saying is, it's not an outlandish to say, yeah, man would have picked him up because money talks. Yeah, man was trading odds on when he came down on the way. The way horses from the Cromwell Yard finish their races as if a rocket's been stuck up their ass. It's you know <laughs> that horse is, that horse stays three mile two. Um, I think on balance. He would have obviously been very close, but I think yeah, man might have picked him up. The problem with yeah, man is that fall. He's never really impressed with his jumping in in any of his free starts, and that's always going to hold him back. Earlier on in the week, I tipped up Phlegmatic at twelves. Um, I was hoping this race would really cut up. In fact, we only lost Angel's Breath at the five from the five day stage, so prices are pretty much static from what they were. But I think Phlegmatic is. Um, it's just a handicapping thing, isn't it? I mean, he was he bumped into that monster when fresh, um, your darling last time. He, he's won five of his seven starts after a hundred day or more break. Mm-hmm. So I think that was a really good performance. I mean, getting dropped a pound for it was was pretty generous. Um, the good to soft ground. I would have liked the not. We didn't get fifteen mil at the course on. We got fifteen mil at the course on Tuesday. I would have liked that without because I think he's better on good ground. But it's good to soft and like I said, there's no there's no rain in the forecast. And he's just two pound higher than when just touched off in the old racing post trophy with 11 lengths back to the third. So from a handicapping point of view, I think he's the best handicapped horse in here. And if you remember that day, it was one of those Harry Skelton's premature joculation ones, wasn't he? When he, he went to the front three, went to the front three out, traded at one point two and got picked up close home. I think, I think it might have been Brendan was pig sick because he was on phlegmatic, the prices that day. But mm. yeah, I, I think, okay. you, I think you could rate him as the winner. Phlegmatic, I think, uh, Generally eights, but the sports book are, sports book are ducking him at eight. So I'm not. That's uh, uh, general elevens, but the sports book are ducking at eight. So I can't. I can't recommend anybody take the eights. But uh, double figure prices on the exchange for phlegmatic win only be the way I'd go. Okay, well, a difference of opinion then. There, let's roll on to the last race at Ascot, which is a very competitive Betfair Exchange Trophy over just shy of the two miles. Uh, loads of money up for grabs for the winner, and Iberico Lord is your three to one favourite. Eleven runners have been declared wide open. You've got Iberico Lord, um, who, of course, when we last saw was winning the Greatwood at three to one and then only a matter of time at nine to two who when we last saw was traveling well in the Greatwood and then deciding to throw himself on the floor again which of course we've seen him do a couple of times uh, Alto Belli is in there at five to one Hansard at five to one those who hang on the dogs are shouting guys we're talking about the Betfair Exchange shut up <laughs> um, Dan I'm going to come to you first here Please, are we mad to take a chance with only a matter of time to not run out? <laughs> I I couldn't back that horse. Now he's done it twice. I mean, the first time he could have put it down to a bit of an aberration, but that that was full dirty horse territory, wasn't it? Where he decided he was going out to the left hand side of the rail um, as they approached the wing of that flight. So he's he's of course he's got the capacity to. Um, to put it together, the market keeps speaking for him. He was still going well at the time. 
But if Shishkin's being discussed as not being a better seven to one for a King George, for instance, because refused to race once, we've been take has to take nine to two in a handicap. Uh, and a hot handicap at that about a horse who's run out twice in a row. I wouldn't even have wanted to pick a favourite in this. So what I'd, what I'd make far from a massive Hansard fan, as everyone knows. But I'm going to go into the back to the Great Wood form at the prices and have a few quid each way. I was going to I would I was stuck between Lucia and the Me and Lion, but I'm, I've siding with the latter. Um, oh. Lucia, I backed her in the Great Wood. I was really confident. I thought everything went absolutely perfectly for her and she just didn't pick up. It might have been a heavy ground thing and getting back away from the mud will help her. But watching it back, Nemean Lion he still looks like he's full of running when he walks through the second last and loses momentum. He then half bursts himself, I think, trying to get back into it, approaching the last and he's run out of fourth right near the line. But he's off the same mark here. The Welsh champion hurdle has worked out perfectly well. And he's a horse who hasn't run a bad race. He's a perfect vehicle for an each way bet because he just runs his race every single time. Okay. The main line is currently 12 to 1. Lucia, for what it's worth, is currently 10 to 1. Um, so a couple of double figure prices there. TCL, come to you next. How are you playing this? Yeah, I, I totally get the main line case. Um, 12 to remember, Sportbook are playing four places as well. So. Yeah, I, I can fully see the case for that. The Greatwood form's obviously very, very strong. The four from the six, either side of the near line, have come out of one since. Um, yeah, I, I, I'll i probably keep him on side at 12s each way. Um, but um, I shouldn't play at three to one. You know, Bonte kicked me in the nuts again last Saturday. I mean, I just think she would have won. She was trading at evens on the outside and... It's just there's no margin for error, and I hate playing at these kind of prices. But I do think Iberico Lord, and I know this is damning with faint praise, might just end up as the the best rated two mile hurdler in the in the country in the UK by the end of the season. So I have to be with him again here at three to one. Um, obviously, he should have won at Sandown last year. I thought he actually... what a bar Constitution Hill in before you get comments. Yeah, you yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> and the betting without market outside of that, yeah. you know what I mean. Um, and yeah, I just think going eight pound for that form, I think it's very strong. Um, yeah, I'm. I think I think there's loads of potential with this horse, and I think freeze is probably a very fair price. In fact, yeah, I I, I will be backing you. It's currently four point two on the exchange. You will get maybe a little bit bigger than freeze, but freeze with a good base price. I would say the race has changed a bit at the overnight stage because we lost a lot of likely contenders. We had um, we had the top waiters come out and Black Poppy came out, and there are. They would have run here were it not for the Christmas hurdle being only six runners at the five-day station. They are two in that. And with uh, So Royale coming out, uh, that means the weights has gone up three pounds. So that actually brings only a matter of time into only a pound out of the handicap. So that's okay. done him a favour. Yeah, there was three or four other horses go dandy and come out. But if what I saw in the Great Woods um, is correct, then I don't think an eight-pound... Uh, rise would stop him or if, if it isn't I think the three to one is a fair a fair trade off okay Daryl do you think the Greatwood form is going to stack up for the winner under this eight pound rise then well history would tell you that it wouldn't only one Greatwood hurdle winner has actually won next time out uh, in the last ten years 
That was old guard who won the grade two international. None of none have come out and won a handicap, but the form has been reversed um, at least three times in the last 10 years by those that finished further down the field. So, yeah, it's no more than interesting, really. But um, I, I wanted to be against the Birico Lord. Only a matter of time. Like, it's a hint in itself that Woody Mullins keeps sending this horse over. Um, I obviously think he's a well handicapped horse trying to win these big pots, but like Dan, I couldn't back him. I was with Alta Belly for Harry Fry. I thought this was a really encouraging seasonal return behind Nickerbock Glory. Uh, the Times would say that he was undone by his racing position early in the race. He ran almost on an identical circuit time to the winner. I thought he would come on a good bit for that. I think this has probably been the plan. Um, and he clocked a massive figure last year at Carlisle when he won by 25 lengths. Like, it was ridiculous to say that he's easily a mid-140s also. He's off a mark of 132. His bumper form beating Ginny's destiny looks quite good now. I'd say this has got more to come. So, only a five-year-old. I'll be with the Harry Fry outer belly. All right. Different darts then thrown at the board for the Betfair Exchange Handicap Hurdle. Let's roll over to Haydock, guys, for the Tommy Whittle. TCO, we'll start with you here. Famous Bridge is the favourite at 9-4 to four to confirm the form he has with Credo at 9-2. to two. Bill Baxter in there at 5-1. to one. Those are your top three currently in the market for the Tommy Whittle. Kind of same question that I just put to Daryl. Do you expect Famous Bridge to confirm the form he has with a few of these? Yeah, um, no real opinion at nine to four. I let I let I let Barber tip him because he's uh, he's the member of the fan club thing, famous Bridget. No, um, I'd much rather the nine to four last time than this time. I've got to say. Yeah, um, I'll be tipping and backing Doctor Kananga at sixteen to one. Um, like I said, this it's good to soft at Ascot. It's going to be very very heavy at. Uh, at Haydock, and I think that's when Dr. Kananga is going to come into his own. Now, he's two wins and a second from three starts on heavy grounds, and you have to forgive him, obviously. He's run like a drain since that novice hurdle second in, in November. But, you know, but this is a horse that three starts ago went off eight to one for a 22-runner um, feature, and he is now of a mark of 128, had a wind up, Stabler in decent form. He had a, had a winner at Fontwell last week. Although the horse finished alone, he was going to win anyway. Uh, they had a horse just touched off at Wing Canton earlier in the week and they had a 200 to 1 third at Lingfield. And obviously that's fair going for a horse with, for, for a stable with so few horses like Ben Clark. So, um, yeah, Dr. Yang got 16s. I wasn't expecting anything like that. I mean, it, like I said, it's a leap of faith to back him. But I think the 16s is more than adequate compensation. I was expecting around about 10s. Dr. Kananga, of course, is the um, character out of Live and Let Die, who, like the horse, was blew up right at the end, didn't he? That's what he did in the beach. If you oh, recall, no. he, he swallows that thing that inflates him and he just... Never seen it. It's Christmas. No. You not watch James Bond? I Do you know what? I don't think I've ever watched the James Bond film. Oh, get out. Get off. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Doctor um, No, have you just said? Why have you just said that? Sorry, I don't know. It's just not been my bag. I'm I'm a lover, not a fighter. I can't watch anything violent. So is James uh, Bond. He's both, as you'll see if you watch any of them. Uh, famous Bridge, then Dan. <laughs> seeing as you've jumped in with your James Bond chat, you're you're against him, are you now, or with him? Where do you stand? No, I just think he's. It's a price which I'm not that interested in taking. He was 9-4 to four to win a less, a slightly lesser race, I thought, with a lot of horses that weren't going anywhere. I did. I was quite confident from three out because I didn't think Quinlan had gone for everything and he he ended up, I thought, winning with a bit in hand despite being 
only a length ahead at the line. He's still not had much race as a staying chaser. I absolutely see that he would be favourite and he should be favourite because he's got a progressive profile. But I'm going to back Cooper's Cross, who had normally a couple of the lads, you put him up at Aintree, didn't you, where he, he did stop quite badly and that was at odds with the way he'd shaped on his reappearance the, the previous season. But he was still on the bridle approaching two out at Aintree. It was a Absolutely awful ground. He, he was running over a trip short of his best. I guess it was just a bit of a prep run, to be honest. And go back to the second to Kitty's Lights in the Scottish National. The win in the big handicap at Doncaster. I think it's the Skybet nowadays, isn't it? Um, still the Skybet nowadays. I think 1-3-6 is a perfectly fair mark. I was scrabbling around for stuff in here. can see the angle with Burroughs Diamond. Now he's been, she's been given a chance by the handicapper with the stable flying and two horses that have come out of the Zambella Aintree race remarkably have won since. It looked an egg and spoon wow. on the day. But the two... So I can I can see the case for her, this Schofield-Smith-Axis teaming up again. But yeah, I'm, I'm more inclined to skew positive with how Cooper's cross-shaped for 85% of that reappearance in the Grand Sefton than the fact he stopped to nothing from the second last. Okay, you're taking the positives from that. And Cooper's cross currently 9-1 to one with Betbrand Sportsbook. Final word on the Tommy Whittle to you, Daryl. We haven't mentioned the horse like on card for the Newland team at around seven to one. Um, you know, he stayed on well when we last saw him to win. Any interest in a horse like that away from the top couple in the market? Yeah, of course. He won the won this uh, race a couple of years ago in his last stage, didn't he? Uh, by, by 10 wide and the lengths, he's around the same sort of mark. He'll handle the ground. I thought he did quite well to win at Warwick, actually. Um, uh, to come from off the pace, it's quite tricky to do that, uh, that course. It's a, it favours front runners. Um, I think he's in good heart. Second start after a wind up. I'd say this has probably been the plan since. And uh, I, I can't see how he doesn't go well. He just stays forever. Uh, I was very, like Dan, very much tempted to, to go with Cooper's Cross, um, having put him up at Aintree last time. But just Tony's voice was ringing in the back of my head about the ground, the ground, the ground. And the way he stopped, I was like, oh, mm. it's the bloody ground. Yeah, Tony's voice ringing in the back of anyone's head is, terror, is a terrible yeah, Well, he made a good point. He made a valid point about it. And but, it was concerning the, the more rain that fell. But when, yeah. Dan was, when Dan was speaking, I've got my notes here and I've got Cooper's Cross lightning on runner. Well, after the reaction to the tip, I'll be quite quite, quite glad of that. Actually, <laughs> uh, I think he's all he's on our radar for sure, isn't he? He's definitely won the highlight after what he did last season. Uh, for me, I'd be with, with on guard, um, and but I, look, I think you can make cases for a lot of these in here, including Conquell Legend, the outside of the of the field, who ran behind uh, Jinko, uh, Giovinco and uh, Stay Away Faye for a little spin last time out. That's a that's a horse. Very lightly race for a nine-year-old and uh, loves testing conditions. So, yeah, look, wide open race on card for me. Okay, final word then uh, is on the 205 at Haydock, two-mile handicap hurdle. And we've got a very short price favourite here, Daryl, in Jaguar at 11-4. to four. Very much the unknown in here. French recruit got done ahead at Aintree when we last saw him. Uh, he's just had the one start over here. And the market is siding once again with the kind of potential of him over the proven form of near, near enough everything else in behind him. So the question to you is, are you with or against Jaguar? Well, he would have a massive chance, but he's entered tomorrow at Ascot in the 2.30. So that could be a, a, an SP issue, obviously a, a rule four issue if he if he goes and takes his chance up there and, and doesn't turn up here. So it would change things a lot. Um, so for now, I've sort of ignored him, but 
like he's the one with the most promise in the field, and that's kind of what this field needs. I was interested in Bubble Dubby. Um, I think this horse shapes so many times, like he's like he's ahead of the handicapper. He just never really sort well, of. Well, he travels gets so there. strongly. Yeah, he just. Does. That's what it's making me because I don't think he wants to go up and trip. I, I think maybe a bit of cutting the ground just might slow things down and or slow the others down for him and just and just help him out. But he, he surely he's got to he's got to land something sooner or later. He's he's likely enough race. This is uh, this is open enough and he's gone well here before. So he was of interest and Gubernator was the other one of interest. Obviously ran right back up to his best on turn from a layoff on the flat when we last saw him at Catterick and. He'll have like he's probably the one that's got few fewer questions to ask, answer than the likes of Bubble Doobie. Like the track's no issue, the ground will be no issue, the trip's spot on for him. He's fairly handicapped. If you give his last run in cheap pieces, Doncaster third makes him look, you know, well treated really off a mark of 122. He could still have more to offer in this sphere. So uh look, torn between the two, it wouldn't be a strong opinion, but hopefully I've guided you in the right direction. All right, well, Bubble Doobie is currently 13 to 2, and the Gubernate, well, Gubernator is also 13 to 2, currently with Betfair on the sportsbook. TC, is Jaguar's first preference Ascot tomorrow? Uh, you presume so, but having looked at the two races, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they pulled them out of Ascot mm-hmm. and came here. But obviously, if you're taking, you know, it's obviously 11 to 4 is a very defensive price, but, um, and the problem is, Obviously, it's an eight-runner race. If Jaguar does run tomorrow at Ascot, then it's a seven-runner race, and then you know all bets are off each way, isn't it? Um, I was going to put Gubernator up for this eight eight to one on Tuesday, but um, he was doubly entered. He was also in the two-mile free handicap at the start of the card, and the, and the owner Tim Leslie also has word has it that he actually runs them both. Um, so, given that the race is cut up from fifteen to eight. And he's just gone from eight to thirteen to two. I mean, Gubernate is a very fair price. He's actually fifteen to two in the marketplace, which I can't get my head around. I mean, I mean, he wasn't not, you know, he's he won on heavy ground on the flat. His first start for ages um, at Catterick on Halloween night, and you know that he's now rated eighty five on the flat. He's one hundred and twenty two over hurdles, having been one hundred and thirty three. He's a dual heavy ground winner. He's not the best hurdler, and also you've got that doubt in your mind whether. He's going to do it over hurdles because he hasn't done it over hurdles for a while. But fracturing all the doubts, the 13 to 2, and if not the 15 to 2, is a very, very decent price for Gubernator. Okay. And last word to you then, Dan. Both boys are giving the nod to Gubernator. Um, fair case is made. Anything else to add into the mix then? Well, I'm a massive fan of these junior hurdles that have come about. They're not great betting races or spectacles on the day necessarily because you're not getting biggish fields, but they are serving the purpose they were laid out for. They're allowing these national huntbred horses to develop and the likes of Spirit Donu, Tintin Tin, this horse, Boisil Bear, I'm going to put up. Another example of a horse who was really, I think, benefited from being able to start out not running against ex-flatbred horses that are just far too experienced for them. And firstly, the reappearance win. First running a handicap, well-backed, despite looking a bit green at Kel, so he ultimately forged clear of autumn return. She came out and won next time at, at Musselburgh, ended up winning by quite a long way, despite things not going right for her. And then he ran that Cheltenham was backed in the race that Blue King Daru won. Spirit Donu was just a couple of places behind. And there's been other winners have come out of that race as well. It was a, a strong race of its type. And for me, just the perfect 
Lucinda Horse, massive, loads of scope, just going to keep progressing and progressing. He'll devour testing ground the way he races. And yeah, I, I can totally see the Gubernator angle. Just as Tony said, he's, he's never has, he's had chances like this before over hurdles and not quite put it together. And that's still in the back of my mind. And I think Boisio Bear still has real upside. He's got a mark of 121 now. Six races into his career, five races into his hurdling career, because he ran in a bumper first time, and I no way is that the ceiling of his ability. He's got so much scope and potential to improve more. Just, just one last thing on Gubernator, because the sportsmen are going to eleven to four Jaguar. I'm not gonna, I'm probably not gonna tip him in my column, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna recommend anybody backs the horse until we know what Jaguar's doing, because the okay. eleven to four means we're going to get a far bigger rule four than we should be doing. <laughs> Okay. Um, right. Well, then, in that case, guys, it is time for naps. We've rattled through Saturday's card. Obviously, we will be coming at you with another racing only better ahead of the Boxing Day extravaganza that is. And on that day, the sports book will have plenty of offers for you. Obviously, extra place races. They'll also have a completely free bet on multiples that day with the sports book, but you're going to need to opt in and read the T's and C's. But that is all coming your way on the 26th. In the meantime, naps for the 23rd, guys. Um, Daryl, I will start with you. Your nap, please. Three o'clock, Ascot, Vicky T, Victorino. Lovely. Yes. Come on, the Victorino. Dan Barber, was that your nap as well? Um, the horse I fancy most is Bois Gilbert, but I, I think they'd rather go to Ascot rather than running the soup at Haydock on a young horse who's not been easy to get on the track. So avoiding that rule for... Miss V, you're the one for me. You're going to win two races. Can you win three? Um, put it's going to be a victory. Under, put the pre victory, put the presents under the Christmas tree. <laughs> and Victorino is the nap. Wow. Wow. This podcast went from being pretty average to definitely pretty poor. Lordy Lord. I need I a rap name. That was like name. one of those roller coaster journeys that ends in a crash. TC, you're not Lil, Lil, Lil D. No, don't shut that up. Lil B. Uh, Iberico Lord. Thanks, TC. Bringing you a bit of sense there to the ending of this show. Uh, like I said, the boys will be back on Saturday recording um, for Boxing Days, Racing Only Better. So stay tuned for that. So you will have another podcast coming your way, listeners and viewers out there, before Boxing Day. But for now, have a good weekend. We hope you're very much in the festive spirit wherever you are. Um, enjoy the build-up to the big day and go well and be lucky over the weekend. That was Racing Only Better. 